The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message. The Word of God says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and Fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You may be seated. So the word of the Lord starts out talking about a baby boy. And you would say, Oh, great, this is going to be a Christmas message. No, it's not that baby boy. It's the, the precursor to the one that you are thinking of. It's the, the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a child who was born with a holy calling um, even from before he was conceived. And John the Baptist was called from before birth to be a herald to Jesus Christ, to be a herald of the God that we know came to die for our sins who loves us so much. And so this week, as I was thinking about this message, as I was preparing what I was going to say, I was thinking about the holidays. By the way, in case no one has said this to you yet, no one throw anything, Merry Christmas. It is coming. Um, if you noticed today, my wife was not sitting beside me. Um, she is actually gone to see her family this weekend. Um, it's not that she didn't know I was preaching and leave and, you know, whatever. But um, she, uh, she left and she went to go be with her aunt for her 80th birthday. And so she sends her love, and if you would, as you pray, pray for her that, that God will bring her back safely. Because let me tell you, if you notice that, like, my collar's not quite perfect or my clothes don't match, I don't know. It's because she wasn't with me to help me. 
And so anyway, we pray that uh, God will bring her back so that I don't, you know, lose my helper and my love and everything else. So anyway, um, so, uh, but as I was preparing for this message, not only was I thinking about the holidays, but I was thinking about my wife. Uh, Wednesday, as we were talking about, the weather was bad and somebody posted um, on Facebook, they said, the reason why it's snowing so much is because of you people who decorate before Thanksgiving for Christmas. Well, my wife shamelessly posted back a picture of our Christmas tree, which, by the way, is up. We have been watching all the Hallmark Christmas movies, and we have been already celebrating Christmas. And she posted back a picture of our Christmas tree and said, not sorry. Um, so, yeah, guys, that's my wife. But, um, yeah, so she has a, she has a love for the Christmas holiday, and, and it's funny, her and her friend Courtney kind of go back and forth. Because Courtney's not a huge fan of, of the Christmas holiday. Courtney's one of our singers, in case you don't know who that is. She's, she can be, but we love her, and yeah, so anyway. Um, so Courtney doesn't quite agree with, with decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving, as her um, friend Kara can attest, who lives with her. Um, she is not the biggest fan of Christmas, and yet... Um, I think that part of the reason why so many people cannot bear the thought of decorating for Christmas early is because I think it comes with the connotation that something's coming and I just have one more thing to do, right? I've got to buy the perfect gift for my 700 relatives and then I have to clean my house and I've got to cook the right meal and oh my gosh, what happens if the turkey burns and all these things, right? And so people panic because they think Christmas is coming and I can't handle it. As uh, my friend Courtney says, she says, I've got to get through one holiday at a time because Thanksgiving, in case you weren't thinking about that, is again a celebration where you got to clean your house and buy the perfect meal and all that stuff. I just can't handle it, right? But if you boil it down to the, the purest form of what Christmas is all about, it's about the birth of a Savior who came so that you could have life. And so today, if you are in the camp that hates decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving, if you shuddered a little bit when I said Merry Christmas to you earlier, um, I'll pray for you. Anyway, um, but I think it's no accident. Even though Thanksgiving is not a biblical holiday, it's not something that we celebrate because the early Christians did it, even though you could call the Puritans in America early Christians. They're not the Christians we're talking about in the Bible. They weren't the Jewish people there. Thanksgiving is not in the Bible, y'all. Sorry. Now, the concept of Thanksgiving is, but the holiday is not. Still, however, I, I don't think that it's an accident that Thanksgiving comes before Christmas because I believe that God is in control, and I believe that he knows the end from the beginning. We'll talk about that today a little bit. See, I believe that God knew, knew ahead of time what we would kind of do to the, the Christmas holiday. And so in that, in his wisdom, I believe he gave us a, a holiday to help us realize that we need to be thankful for the things we already have. You see, today we're going to be studying out the story that we've already read, and we're going to be looking at the life of John the Baptist. And if you think about what we've already read, you'll realize that Zechariah, John's dad, wasn't quite so thankful when Gabriel first popped up to tell him about this child. He was actually kind of alarmed. He, he responds in a way that's kind of surprising. And so today we're going to be looking through the Word and we're going to be trying to figure out what God wants to tell us in this. Um, one other thing, though, before we, we go from here. If you are in the place today where you have said, I 
I've been praying for this thing or I've been believing for this thing and it just hasn't happened yet. If you've ever been in the place where God says no even, maybe even if you're in that place right now, God is moving. And I can promise that he's moving on your behalf. And so today, um, I urge you, if, if you take nothing else away from this message, that in all things, whether we see it or not, that God is working. And if we have no other reason to give thanks, that is enough, right? And so today, if you don't mind, let me pray for you. Pray for me as we do this, um, and then we'll, we'll open the word. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. The good name that is above every name, and God, we glory in you and how great you are. We glory in your word and how it tells us that you make things possible that were seemingly impossible. And so, Father, as I look out on this crowd, I am astonished that you have brought them all here. And I know that it is your grace, it is your plan that they are here. And so, Father, I come and I ask that you would move on each of our hearts, including my own this day, that we would be changed forever by your word. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. And so as we go back into this story, if we start in, in verse 5 again, we're going to kind of break it down. And so follow along with me. Um, if you have a bulletin, um, feel free to take notes. If you don't have a bulletin, well, there's something. Just take notes on anything. It's fine. Um, because I believe today is a day when this message can really change your life if you will let it. Verse 5 says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. Now, if you ever wondered what does that mean, there were divisions of priests who had duties in the temple. They um, had a way of organizing themselves so that when it was time to serve on a Sabbath, which happened every week, or when it was time to serve a great festival, whatever the case may be, they had an organizational system to handle that. Now, if you look back in the original days of the temple, you'll find that those divisions were broken up by families. Now, not to give you too much biblical history, but there was a great um, taking over of the Jewish people at one point. It was actually the judgment of God that did so. And so in that, it was called the Great Exile. It was a time when this nation came in, conquered the nation of Israel, took them out of their homeland, killed many, many people, and out of that exile, not every priestly family returned. And so when you see John the Baptist, I'm, not John the Baptist, I'm sorry. When you see Zechariah in the division of Abijah, he is not actually, he could have been of the family of Abijah, but actually probably not because the Bible doesn't tell us that they came out of the exile. Rather, he was probably reorganized into this priestly division. So he was number eight, if you want to know the, the history behind it. He was the eighth division, and so number one would start on the first week, and then number two would take the second week, and on and on and on it would go. Now, when they got to the temple, they would come. There, were, there was a division that lived within Jerusalem. They were always ready, just in case. There was a division that lived in Jericho, because Jericho was such a large city that they could do that. And then the rest of the priestly divisions were kind of scattered throughout all of these cities. So, Zechariah, it, it's time for his division. They're called up. It's time for them to serve in the temple. Zechariah comes because he's called by God as, as a member of this priestly line. He is called by God to come and serve. And so, when the priests would come, they would all enter into this one room together. When they got there, they would cast lots, as you'll see in just a minute. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. But, as you can see, in the days of Hera, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, um, if you look, he was kind of a... 
even though he didn't live in Jerusalem, he was still kind of a priest's priest. He was a guy who, um, he had a lineage um, as a priest. He was born into that family, and not only that, but he had a wife who was of the line of Aaron. Now, the line of Aaron, um, Aaron was the first priestly line in the Bible. They were the first family to do this thing. God called them to be the first set of priests. And so if you were a priest and you married somebody out of the line of Aaron, it was almost like um, they believed that God would kind of give you like an extra blessing, right? And so what you see is that Zechariah was a priest's priest. He's the guy who um, he comes to, to the temple and he was blessed. And yet what you see about Zechariah is not that his lineage was significant. It was the next verse. Verse 6 says, and they, talking about Zechariah and his wife, were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now that is significant in large part because it is more significant than their line, but even more so if you look at the next verse, which says this, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Pastor Ben, why is that significant? The, the reason that Elizabeth being barren is so significant is because people would have seen her as something that is less than what they were. Elizabeth would have been seen as barren, and therefore people would have thought, oh, that's the judgment of God on these people. And so it's significant that they were righteous, that God saw them even in their reproach, and he realized how much they loved him, how they kept the commandments and the statutes. There were 600 and some laws. They kept every one of them faithfully because they loved the Lord. So that is the significance. If you look at Elizabeth, you can't look at her and think, oh, well, she must have sinned, and that's why she was barren. And if some of you are here today, and you're thinking, there's this thing in my life, and the reason why it's happening is because God is judging me, more than likely, it's not that. It could be. It could be that God is telling you no for a reason, for a time, to develop you into what he wants you to be. But what we see in the story of Elizabeth is not that. What we see is that God had a bigger plan. And so even in the times when God tells you no, when God tells you to wait, when God doesn't quite answer the prayer that you pray the way you want it to happen, God is still in control. God still has a plan. And so if you are taking notes this morning, point number one is to remain faithful. Every one of them is going to be starting with an R this morning. So there's going to be five. Just know that. Um, but point number one this morning is to remain faithful. Even if God doesn't answer our prayers as we want him to, remain faithful to him in his word as Zechariah and Elizabeth did. You know, it's funny. I, I talk to people all the time and I had a friend who, she was telling me a story of someone. They, um, they were praying actually for a, a religious call. Um, they believed that God had called them to be a, um, a missionary. I've actually had two friends in this, in this particular case. But they were telling me about another friend. And, and actually what had happened was this person who was praying to be a missionary, that sounds like a great thing, but God did not have that in the cards, at least for the time when they wanted it to happen. God, but they, they believed God. They thought, oh, yeah, this is something that, you know, I've, I've had dreams about this. I, I believe this is something for my life. And so they applied to be a missionary, and it didn't happen. And you would say, well, um, it didn't happen? So what was wrong with them? Maybe nothing is wrong with them. That's the thing. We have a tendency as, as humans, and it happened then in the Bible just like it happens now, to, to look at somebody and the thing that happens and go, oh, they must have something wrong with them. 
But this story doesn't teach us that. The story teaches us that even in righteousness, God sometimes says no and God sometimes says to wait. And so if you are paying attention, remain faithful in those things. If, if something is not working out for you today the way that you think it should, remain faithful to God and his word. Sometimes the Lord does tell us no. And sometimes the Lord does tell us to wait. And so um, if we go from there, verse 8 says, Now he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood. He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. What do you see in that short passage? Well, you see a couple things. Now, remember, when the priestly line, when they would be called up, they would come to the temple, they would all gather in this room, and they would choose them by lot, right? Now, how does that work? There's a whole lot more to it that I don't quite understand, but here's the, here's the, the basic rundown of how this works. You ready? This is, this is country pastor Ben telling you the best he can. They would all... Hold up a number. Literally, that's kind of how it worked. They would all kind of hold up a number. They would number themselves off. And then somebody would call out a number. It's kind of like holy bingo. So you'd be like, 32, and you'd be like, I'm doing the sacrifice this way, you know. And so you say, that doesn't sound real, uh, real godly. Like, that doesn't sound real holy. But they believe, they would pray first, and they believe that God would guide this holy numbering lottery bingo system. And so they would um, answer by numbers until they got to the burning of incense. Now, the burning of incense was kind of a special, um, a special duty, if you will, because what would happen if you were called to burn incense, the first thing that would happen is you would not be chosen for anything else in the priestly duties. Once those things were chosen, then they would call all of the priests together who um, had never burned incense to the Lord before. And they would gather them together, they would number them off, and then they would draw them by lot a second time because they, um, from my understanding, kind of wanted a fresh, um, a fresh anointing from the Lord. And so they had a new guy do it um, every year if they could. If they couldn't, if, if everybody had already done it, then they'd choose somebody. But um, they would have this person come and do this thing. Now, why is that important? That is important <laughs> because, whew, let me take a breath. That is important because um, what you see is you see God's hand on Zechariah's life. It is important because if you think it's kind of like Jonah and the whale, God had to set some things up so that Zechariah could hear from the Lord. Just like Jonah, he had to set Jonah up a little bit so that Jonah could respond to God as he should have, right? Um, and that's what happens in Zechariah's life. Zechariah wasn't chosen to perform any of the other priestly duties. That was number one. But then number two, Zechariah had also never burned incense to the Lord. Now think about that for just a moment. What does that mean? It means that God was working in Zechariah's life long before this ever happened. If you're sitting here today and you're wondering, why hasn't God moved in my life? Maybe God is working in your life and you just don't see it. And so point number two is to realize his sovereignty. Realize that he is working things out in your life. Realize that sometimes it takes a lifetime, which is the case of Zechariah, sometimes it takes a lifetime for God to get you to the place where he can finally use you in the way that he wants. And sometimes if you think about Zechariah's story, it may not even be dependent on you. 
Zechariah was righteous. Zechariah was in good shape. His, the family, they loved God. But the time around them wasn't ready for John the Baptist yet. God in his holy plan wasn't ready to bring John the Baptist or Christ yet. And so he had to set that up. He had to work through John's life, or I'm sorry, through Zechariah's life. And maybe he's working through your life right now. You see, God is in control whether we see it or not. And I believe that nothing just happens by chance. God is not taken by surprise. If you look in Psalm 147, verse 5, it says this. It says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I'm God, and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done. Did you hear that? From ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. You see, God is all-powerful, He is all-knowing, and He is in control. And so if there is something in your life today that, that bothers you, that really gives you that heartache, and you know what I'm talking about if that's you, if you're in that place of that heartache, that, that raw moment where you go, God, are you moving or not? I can promise you that He is somehow. Now, if you remember that He is faithful, if you remember that He is sovereign, I would also urge you to to notice that God sometimes does tell us no. We can't always say that God tells us yes in everything. Um, when, uh, well, so a year ago, uh, my, my wife's mother passed away. Uh, it was the, the 23rd of November. We sat by her bed. Uh, she had cancer. And we prayed hard that, that God would not um, take her that day. And you say, I've been in that place before. I, I totally understand why well, I'm, I'm here with you today to tell you that it's tough. It's hard as Pastor Ben to look your wife in the eye after you've prayed so hard. And you know what I'm talking about, where you just, you cry out to the Lord, and God still, God still allows her to pass away anyway, right? But if that's you today, if you're in the same place, I, I urge you to take hope from this story, because what you can know is that God does have a plan what we've seen in the Word and what we've seen through um, just prayer time is that, that we believe God was, was moving in her life and saving her from, um, from other evil that could befall her. That's what the Bible says. And so he, he removed her from pain and suffering. And if you think about it, what could have happened to her had God not taken her? Sometimes we don't think about those things. But, you know, God responds to us sometimes by telling us no. And that is okay. And that's, that's what he did for Zechariah and Elizabeth for a time. He looked at their life and he said, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is not for you right now. For my wife and her family, he looked at us. And, and if you think again, what could have happened? What suffering could she have had? What coma or what thing was she avoiding? Because God took her when he did. And so it may be hard and it may be something that you don't like. And yet it may be the very grace of God in your life for him to work out this thing in this way. And so, if we continue reading the story, it says that 
the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. It was a time when the person who would burn incense, they would go in, they would, they would light this thing, and it was a holy offering to God. It was actually the beginning of the worship that day. It was a signal to everyone that, that this, um, this service to God, this, this time where we're going to worship him in all of his fullness, it was about to happen. And so when they saw the person carrying the incense, now this wasn't like a little stick. This was like a big honking bucket. When they saw this person walking up carrying this incense, carrying this giant container, they would all leave the temple. They would all go out to the outside and they would stand around in anticipation, waiting to see what God was about to do. They would stand on the outside and as he would enter, they would begin to pray. And they would pray until that incense was burned up. They would pray until this person who was burning that incense would come out and he was expected to give them a blessing on his exit. He was expected to hear from the Lord at least some Something and come out and at least say, God is with you. God is here to help you. God is going to do something. But they didn't know what was going to happen. And so Zechariah, he was chosen. He goes into the temple. He, he lights this incense. And then what we see is we see something that even he probably was not expecting. It says in verse 11, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Now, if you think about that, that is a perfectly logical thing. If, a, if you ever go into a place and you don't expect somebody to be there and somebody appears, you know you've been startled. Now, my, uh, my lovely wife, she has this coat rack, and it looks like a person. We hang coats on it, right, so it kind of looks broad-shouldered. We put hats on it, so, you know. And so anyway, that coat rack has almost caught one or two baseball bats, in my life, because she'll, oh, hey, Ben, there's, I hear something. And so, you know, I'll go out, do the husbandly thing. I'm walking around, my chest all puffed out. And now I'm kind of used to it, until she decorated for Christmas and she moved the coat rack. And the other day I walked out. Actually, this was last night. I walked out, and the coat rack is now over here by the door. And I look over, Duh! you know, like, I just did not expect a person, which is not a person, but I thought it was, to be standing by my front door, Right? Coat racks can catch bullets too. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, um, you're, there are times when you just don't expect a person to be there, right? And that's Zechariah's time. Now, if nothing else, we would understand Zechariah was afraid because nobody else is supposed to be there, and yet an angel of the Lord appears. But this angel appears, and when you think about what angels do in the Old Testament, it makes even more sense, right? Um, angels in the Old Testament do things like destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, those things happen out of the judgment of God. Um, at one point, the, the nation of Israel had so sinned against God that um, God sent an angel to destroy the city of Jerusalem even. There was a great plague, um, and God stayed his hand through grace and, and sacrifice and the faithfulness of, of, his, of one of his people. In this case, Zechariah probably did not know what was coming, but I can tell you, when God asks you to do something, it's often uncomfortable. If you're in the place where God has asked you to do something, if even if you're in the place where... Maybe you've been praying for something and you feel like it's going to happen. Don't turn your back on that thing because you don't know what God is doing right now, again, to put that thing in place. And so the angel Gabriel, he appears to him and he says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Well, that's easy to say. You're an angel. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Did you hear that? Your prayer has been heard. Now, do you think that Zechariah was praying for a child in his old age? Let's find out. 
So it says in verse 14, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, notice he is not Elijah. We do not believe in reincarnation, but in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Just as a side note, can you imagine if you were getting ready to have a child and Gabriel popped up and said all of those things about your child, your son that's coming? And here's how Zechariah responds. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? Okay. For I'm an old man that my wife is advanced in years. Now notice, if, if you are Zechariah and an angel appears to you and you say, how shall I know this? Probably means you had given up on this prayer long ago. And if you are here today and, and God has, you feel like God has told you your child who is wayward is, is going to be saved one day, or you feel like God has told you you have this sickness and he's going to heal it, and you haven't seen that yet. Maybe your family member has a sickness that hasn't been healed yet, but you feel like God has said it's going to happen. Don't give up on those things. And point number three is to remember that he hears you. If you're here today and you're wondering, I've prayed this thing so many times and I feel like God is silent and he's not there. If you're in that place where you have prayed and you just don't know what's going to happen, know that that is okay. But remain faithful and remember that he hears you. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Matthew 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. Romans 10, 13 says this, and I think this is the most marvelous one of all. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Zechariah, he talks to the angel and the angel said to the Lord, I'm sorry, the, the Zechariah said to the angel, there we go, how shall I know this? In other words, I can't trust this thing. I can't trust you even though you're directly from God. For, and he says this, he says, I am an old man. It's an imperative. He is pointing the finger at the angel. I am an old man. Bob and I were talking earlier, right before service. Why is Mary so different from Zechariah? Why does Zechariah get the correction and Mary does not, if you look at the story of Mary and what she says? Because Mary says, when the angel pops up and says, you're going to have a son, she says, how can this be because I'm a virgin? It's not that she doubts what the angel said. It's just, what do I need to do next? Zechariah says, I don't believe this is going to happen at all. And so the angel, he says, I am Gabriel. So if Zechariah says, I'm an old man, Gabriel puffs up his chest a little bit and says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. So I urge you to remember that he hears you, but also to receive and don't doubt. That's point number four. If you're in the place where you, and I said this already, that if, if you believe that God is going to do this thing, don't fall back on it and say, well, I guess it's not going to happen because it's been 36 hours and God hasn't moved yet. I've been praying for this new job and it's been mm, 48 hours and I haven't seen anything. I guess I, guess I missed the Lord. If you feel like God answers your prayer, Remember, he also has to move on the people around you, 
right? Remember, he also has to move in the circumstance that is completely out of your control. And so, Zechariah doubted, and he, he was given a correction. Some would say, wow, that, that correction seems awfully harsh. If, if I doubt the Lord, is he going to correct me? He may. I hope he doesn't strike you with, you know, not being able to speak. But either way, what we see in the word is this. We see in Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Hebrews 12.11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so correction can seem harsh sometimes, but it's actually the love of the Lord to draw us back to him, to keep us from doing this thing where we fall away from him completely, to keep us from just totally walking away, right? And so we remember that he hears us, we receive and we don't doubt. And yet let's look at the last part. Y'all ready for this? Let's look at the last part. The last part says... And behold, verse 20, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home Verse 24, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Now, Elizabeth was probably around 80, was in her 80s, 90s, something like that. That's what tradition tells us. We don't have that in the Bible. But in these days, in her old age, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Elizabeth stayed hidden. When this thing happened to her and she knew it, she kept it to herself for a while. And is that okay? Absolutely. Because sometimes the things that God does for you needs to be worked over in your mind. Sometimes you've got to chew on those things, and that's okay. But in the end, here's what you see. It is always the appropriate response to react with praise. And so point number five is to react with praise, always. Philippians 4 says this, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Did y'all hear that? The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you are in that place where something just isn't right, the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. If you're in that place where this, this praise that you have seems more like a sacrifice than an offering, that's okay. The Bible tells us actually in Hebrews 13 that through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Sometimes sacrifice, I'm sorry, sometimes praise is a sacrifice. Sometimes in, when you're in the darkest place that you can be in life, like when I stood beside um, my mother-in-law's bedside, although that, by the way, turned out to be a joy because of the fact that we, we knew she was going home to be with the Lord. And yet, 
when we stood in that time where everything seemed to be so dark and so hard. It was the most beautiful time of praise at the same time. You see, Dina's mom stood up and she wasn't even strong enough to go to the, the bathroom on her own at that particular time. But at the very end of her life, she stood up and she said, wow, I hear the most beautiful music. A woman who literally was on her deathbed and we, we struggled. We struggled in prayer. It was still hard to lose somebody and yet it was a time of praise and sometimes there is a time when praise is a sacrifice more than it is an offering. Sometimes you have to praise the Lord even in the time when you don't see him moving. Zechariah, he was called to that. And even when he prayed to the Lord and didn't see that child that they had prayed for so much, he had to, right? He was the priest. Sometimes we put on our, our Christian faces and we pretend like everything's all right here today to tell you that you can you can be real you can let people know that you're not okay sometimes and that's all right you see the church was given to us as a means of encouragement you could be the only Jesus that people see some days and so if you're sitting there today and you're like my life has no purpose and no meaning God has called you he's given you a holy calling and a holy purpose and that's to be the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the lives of some person who you may not even know. Your calling could be just to smile at someone who walks in that door thinking there is nothing left and no hope. Here's what I do know. No matter what, the Bible tells me not to be anxious in anything. And then it finishes that verse by saying, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word let is not an accident. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Did you know you can force that out if you're not careful? And so today, don't be anxious. For you see, when Elizabeth finally received the blessing that was coming, she worshiped, and that is the appropriate response. Sometimes when we don't know that God is moving, it is still okay to worship him and just back up and know that he's God. And so today, we're running out of time. And so I want to pray for you because we've got a baptism. We're about to worship God and celebrate the fact that he has saved someone. But here's, here's the last thing that I'm going to close with. Number one, God has not forgotten you. If you're sitting there right now and you're going, I prayed about this thing and I've not seen it. God has not forgotten you. He loves you very much. And he wants the best for you. And sometimes the best for you is the answer no. So if you're sitting there today and you're going, I haven't seen it, maybe the best thing for you is no. I know it's hard. I know it is. But let God be God and let him be in control. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows you and the very hairs on your head. He knows that you want this thing. And yet he knows how to give good gifts the Bible tells us that he is working all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let no be the good thing for you. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, I have prayed about this thing and I have not seen God move, but I know it's going to happen. 
I know that he told me that my family member was going to be saved. I know that I have this sickness, and I know that he told me that it was going to be healed, and it's been two years, four years, however long, 24 hours. I just went to the doctor, and I didn't see it. That's okay. Sometimes we just have to step back and let God be God. Maybe you're sitting there, and you're going, man, I don't know exactly who this God is, but I sure want to. He always, always hears the prayer of the person who says, I need salvation from you, God. And so today, I'm going to close. But if you want prayer, if you want prayer, we're going to have a time afterwards where we can do that. I'm going to be right over there um, after baptism. And I urge you to come find me. If you want to know more about who this God is, I'm going to be right over there. We have a VIP room. That is not a problem to go to that VIP room and say, I need to know who this Jesus is that you're talking about. Because you see, John the Baptist had a holy calling. His holy calling was to tell people that there was a king coming who could solve these things. John the Baptist had a holy calling and he could tell people, I was a miracle child. But there's a greater miracle that's coming after me and that is Jesus. The God who is going to die for your sins and who did die for your sins. Who not only died, that would be enough, but took his life back up. Who was raised from the dead so that you could be saved. And so if you want to know more about that after service, come talk to me. For now instead, can I ask, um, can I pray for you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus and we trust you to be God in our lives. Lord, we trust you to, to come to us and to to do that thing in our hearts that we've been waiting on for so long. And whether that is acceptance of the word no, whether that is just to wait and see what you're going to do in our lives, whether whatever that is, we believe that you're here this day and that you are working all things for good. And so, Father, for the one who doesn't know you, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would draw them to you this day, that their heart would be just bent, that their heart would just be set on fire by the gospel, that they would want to know you. Father, in all that you are and all that you do, we worship and praise you, for you are good, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.